So this morning we're going to reflect on the the goodness of Christmas from the book of Luke. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it to Luke chapter 2, or you can swipe there as the case may be. But we're going to look, we looked uh, to Matthew last night. We're going to look to Luke to remind us a piece of the story this morning. This is Luke 2, and I'm going to read just verses 8 to 14 this morning to get us on our way here in the scripture. Luke says this, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen and amen. Let's ask for God's blessing over his word this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we are grateful to be in your presence. We are grateful for your word. We thank you that it is inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and life-changing. And Father, would you change our lives afresh this morning by your Holy Spirit and by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked about three ways last night that Christmas reveals the love of God, and so we're going to talk about three more ways that we see gifts from God to us this morning, specifically in this moment of Christmas. And we're going to use Luke chapter 2 to help us see that. And so the first of the three ways that we see God's love poured out to us is this. God loves us with the gift of his humility. God loves us with the gift of his humility. And the shepherds and this whole manger scene that we're pretty familiar with really shows us that because the angel, this glorious angel comes down and speaks not to the high ups, not to the most powerful, not to the quote unquote most important in the culture. No, no, it comes to lowly shepherds, overlooked, supposedly unimportant shepherds. And it's there that the glory of the Lord shines around. Shepherds were the least of the least in that particular society, and it's sort of understandable because these were smelly guys hanging out with smelly sheep, and so they could be looked down upon. Although their profession was and is important and noble, they would be looked down upon. But the shepherds, their experience here and the fact that God sends the angels to the shepherds reminds us that there is no one who is too low for the gospel according to what the world standards of high and low may be. There is no one who is too high or too good for the good news of the gospel. And we see this reality here in that God comes in humility. And when the angel shows up and gives us good news, it says initially that the the shepherds were uh, afraid. I I like the way um, the the Peanuts Christmas special, right? He reads the the story in the KJV and he says that they were sore afraid. Um, I, in 2022 language, I'd say they freaked out. Right? It was terrifying. You cannot imagine the glory of God and the angels that enveloped that moment. But the angel, his first words back to these shepherds is, fear not. See, when God comes and he comes in humility, it doesn't bring fear, it brings joy. 
The angels say, I have good news that will be great joy for all of the people. A savior who is close and compassionate and here for you has come. And he's Lord, he's God, he's high and lifted up in glory. But here we see God's gift of humility again in that a baby has been born in particularly humble circumstances. Now, if you haven't had children yet and you look forward to it, uh, I'm guessing that the way that Jesus was born is probably not your birthing plan. Uh, If you have had children, I can imagine that what Mary and Joseph and Jesus went through is probably not what you'd like to see happen for your kids when they have kids. But what you see here is a baby born in humility. He's born in the city of David, and it just reminds us that the Jewish nation, the Jewish people as a whole, had had seasons of glory under King David, but at the moment, at that moment, they were a humbled, even humiliated people. They were being dominated, ruled, and oppressed by the Roman Empire. It was not cool to be Jewish. But this baby is declared to be king, but it doesn't seem to match up the circumstances, right? He's not born in a mansion. He's not born in a castle. He's not even born in a hotel, He's born in a stable. And we can sort of romanticize that and we have these beautiful living nativity scenes, but let's be clear, a stable is a fancy word for a barn. And Jesus, we're told, is placed in, what is he placed in? The manger, another fancy word. And what is a manger in reality? It's a feeding trough for the animals in the barn. Jesus is born and gifted to us in humility. His parents, Mary and Joseph, his his earthly parents, they're nobodies, and they're from nowhere, right? People will be critical. They go, Nazareth, he's from Nazareth? What do they say? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus comes to us in humility. The Apostle Paul teaches us in the book of Philippians that we ought to mirror this reality of who Jesus, really two realities of Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter 2. He says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So live out your life the way that Jesus lived out his. And he's going to tease out this reality of humility. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says, Jesus, fully God, left the glories of heaven and willingly comes down to us in love. And the reason why is because nothing could or would keep him from coming to us. Jesus is close. Jesus is personal. Jesus is humble. Jesus will tell us that he knows the the exact number of the hairs on your head. That's how much he cares for us. He did not worry about getting what he deserved. Rather, he concerned himself with us and what we needed. He dispensed with equality. He set aside his royalty, his position, and emptied himself so that he could fill us up with his love. And if we think about it, the lowest moment in all of Christ's humbling himself and ultimately humiliation is the moment that Jesus goes to the cross. He goes to a place that was reserved for the worst of the worst in that culture, a place of grotesque, violent execution for criminals. But Jesus had committed no sin. 
but he willingly humbled himself to die on the cross to save us from our sins. God gives us the gift of his humility. But secondly, God gives us the gift of his glory. How could that be? How could God give us both the gift of his humility and even humiliation, and yet at the same time give us the gift of his glory? Look again at Luke chapter two, just the end there, verse 13 and 14. And again, imagine yourself being there with the shepherds and the sheep and seeing this moment. Suddenly there was with, an angel, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If we go back to Paul and in Philippians chapter two, the remainder of that passage, he says this, after Christ has come, humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, it says this, therefore God has highly exalted him, highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. Amen. We look forward to that day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. Think about that word glory. See, what's interesting about all humanity is whether you consider yourself a religious person or an irreligious person, everybody has at least one thing in common, probably many things, but here's one in particular that we all have in common. We're all searching really hard for something that will satisfy and something that will satisfy and will actually last. Whether we call it happiness or significance or, or pleasure or some sort of fulfillment. And we look to things like money or to popularity or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or fame or a career. But the Bible says that what we are ultimately searching for is glory. We're looking for glory. And obviously, many of us, we've experienced uh, in a broken world, looking to counterfeit glories, things that promise glory, but, but cannot deliver what they have promised. Or we take good gifts of God, wonderful things that he has given us in creation, and we make them ultimate things, and we make them more important than God, and they cannot deliver the glory that we expect from them because true glory only comes from God. We looked at John chapter 1 and verse 14 last night. I want to look at it again and consider a different aspect of John 1. The verse says this, speaking about Jesus, John says, And the Word, capital W, became flesh and dwelled among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus has come down at Christmas time, and he has at least three more gifts listed for us here. His gifts are glory, grace, and truth. Now, I don't know about you, but, but even growing up in a Christian home and growing up in and around church, I've always thought of glory as something reserved for God. We come to church, we gather, we worship God, we give him glory, and rightfully so. But what this verse is telling us is that it's a two-way street, that God has come and gifted us his glory. He's gifted us his humility, and he has gifted us his glory. He gives it to us, and we cannot create glory, but as believers, we respond by giving him his glory back, and we call that worship. 
whether it be here singing together, it be singing on your own or opening God's word or times of prayer or the life that you live, we give him back the glory that he is due, that he is gifted to us. In giving us glory, he gives us real satisfaction, not the fake kind that won't last, but real eternal purpose, significance, joy, hope. And it comes from God. Not only that, this same verse tells us that when, when that Savior will come, he will give peace. The angels say that peace will be the result of this baby that has been born. What kind of peace? Well, peace with God. Romans says that outside of saving grace through Jesus, that our natural state outside of his grace is that we are at war and enemies with God. So when he says peace, it's peace with God, that our debt and our sin has been settled and solved. It's Peace entering into the world. Our world is not peaceful, but peace has come and peace will win. Not because of my efforts, because of what Jesus has already done. Peace into our hearts, into our souls. When Jesus comes into your heart and life, he fills you with his peace. See, the good news of the gospel is the humility of Jesus dying on a cross, of him coming down at Christmas time and the glory of his resurrection that he gifts both to us. And he invites us to enter into both, to join with him in death to sin at the cross where he has paid the punishment and we get the benefits. And he has invited us into glory. Jesus rose from the dead, literally bodily, historically, three days after he died. And when he resurrected from the dead, he made a way that all people, will literally rise from the dead one day and spend eternity with him in a very real place called heaven. And spiritually, the moment that we confess our sins and turn from them and trust in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, there is a resurrection taking place because we are no longer chained to our sin and our guilt and our shame. We are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. We are given new and eternal life. Jesus invites us into humiliation and into glory. And then he applies it to our lives as believers. Philippians, Paul says, have the mind and have the attitude of Christ among yourselves. Follow Jesus in his humility. Follow Jesus in being a servant to others. Follow Jesus in compassion, in sacrifice. Follow Jesus in glory. Philippians 2, he says, do nothing out of arrogance or pride, but rather in unity. Can you imagine unity in the church and and around the world? Do nothing out of pride, but rather do it in unity and do it in love, filled, he says, with the Holy Spirit, the gift that is given to every believer, the moment that they ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. He says, count others better or more important than yourselves. Can you imagine what the universe would look like? If in every decision we genuinely did that, put others before ourselves, well, how do we do that? I can't do it on my own. But Jesus led the way, didn't he? He put you before himself. He put me before himself. And by his grace, I can live out that grace towards others. Not to impress, not to earn salvation. That's not why we would do these things not to win a medal, not to get better Christmas presents under the tree, not even, not even to earn a better Christmas bonus to put in a new pool. Anyone? Anyone? 
Christmas vacation. All right, I'll, I'll leave it hanging there. Simply out of gratefulness for the gift of his glory that has been given and gifted towards you. Third and finally, God loves us with the gift of himself. We ended yesterday with John 3.16. We end this morning with John 3.16. The reality of our entire meditation last night and this morning, God so loved, he gave. The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. God loved you so much, he gave his son, God loved you so much that he came down. God loved you so much that he promised to be with you forever. We learned those things last night and we were reminded again today. God loved you so much that he gifted you his humility. And God loves you so much that he has gifted you his glory. Despite all of your failures, despite all the ways that I come up short, despite all the ways that we fail, despite all of our sin and rebellion, Jesus came into the world to save sinners like me and you and the rest of our city and the rest of our world. He has come to replace your turmoil with peace. He has come to replace your fear with joy. He's come to replace your sin with forgiveness and his righteousness. And he has come to replace your death with eternal life. So the reality of this, the reality of the gospel is we lost it all. Jesus did it all and we get it all. That's the good news of the gospel. So if you never have before, will you put your faith, your belief in Jesus this morning? It's as simple as admitting, God, I am a sinner. When I do life my way as the, as the king or the queen, it doesn't work. It's wrong. It's messed up. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my rebellion. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want my sins put on that cross that you hung on 2,000 years ago. Save me. I want to spend eternal life with you in a very real place called heaven. And if you have had that moment, you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then again, I say to you, let Christmas be the reminder that, yes, presents under the tree are great, but the best gift that we have ever been given is God's presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, that God came down to be with us, to save us, to do for us what we could not and we would not do ourselves. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for a, a cold Florida morning. Thank you for a wonderful weekend to celebrate Christmas. Thank you for our time together worshiping you and lifting high your glory and your praises last night. Thank you for the reality of Christmas this morning. We don't know precisely what day that that Jesus exactly was born. It doesn't matter. What matters is that he, the Lord of glory, came down in humility and was humiliated so that we wouldn't have to be. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love towards us. Lord, we admit that we can't earn it. Lord, we admit that we don't deserve it. It's your love. You love us because you are love. And we're amazed by that. Thank you for that kindness and mercy. Father, forgive us for the ways that we have wandered. Lord, as we begin in the next week or so to reflect on a year gone by, 
Um, I am confident that in 2022, I have betrayed you in a multitude of ways, Lord. I am confident that everybody in this room cannot stand up like Jesus and say, I have lived the perfect life. Lord, we, we admit our sins. We confess our weaknesses, our brokenness. We, we confess to you our hurts, Lord, things that have happened to us that are not our fault. Lord, we bring it all to you and we lay it at the foot of the cross. Thank you that you were humiliated so that we would not have to be. Thank you that you have brought glory down because we certainly couldn't go up and get it, but you have brought it down to us. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that we will experience glory forever and ever and ever in heaven with you. Thank you that we experience glory the moment that we ask Jesus to be our personal Lord and Savior. And so we praise you this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All glory honor and praise to you this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, let the refrain of our hearts, the refrain of our words, our lives, the way that we serve and love and care for one another and put others first, let it be not to impress, not to earn salvation, but to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.